Podcast Network Asia. This is an experiment. What do billionaires, cultural icons, and world-class athletes have in common? I'm about to find out. I'm John Aguilar, serial entrepreneur, former decathlete, and creator and host of the CNN Philippines business reality show, The Final Pitch. Each week, I try to unlock the secrets of Asia's world-class performers to come up with hacks that I can apply in my own life. My goal is to have you apply them in yours. This is the podcast designed to change your life. This is Methods to Greatness. Methods to Greatness is powered by Perfect Health Philippines, a leading provider of innovative and premium massage and healthcare products to customers across Southeast Asia. This partnership is all about improving people's lives, health, and well-being. Visit perfecthealthph.com to know more. Our guest, Min Bui, is a serial entrepreneur from Vietnam with a passion for social impact and creativity. Bui Kong Min graduated from Sydney University in 2006 under the AusAid Scholarship Program. He later earned a Fulbright Scholarship and his MBA degree from Harvard Business School in 2014. Min started his first business, a chain of donut stores, when he was 25, selling it in 2012 before leaving Vietnam to attend Harvard. Returning to Vietnam in 2014, he founded Beta Cinemas, a chain of affordable cinemas. His company has since evolved into the Beta Group, of which he is president. Min Bui, aka Min Beta, has businesses that include a startup called A Plus Home, a network of affordable serviced apartments for the youth and Crimson Business Institute, offering Harvard-licensed courses in business education for Vietnamese learners. Active in music and the entertainment industry, he has also engaged in various film and art projects. Please enjoy my interview with a dynamic serial entrepreneur, Min Bui. Hello, Min. Welcome to Methods to Greatness. Hello. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, it is great to have you here. Um, I, I must admit, I've only been to Vietnam once. I, I was able to go to Hanoi almost three years ago. I'd like to find out from you first before we get into questions regarding your success now as a serial entrepreneur. What was it like for you growing up in Hanoi and what kind of an environment did you have um, uh, with your family? Was it something that allowed you to essentially prepare for what you're doing now? So when I think about my time growing up in Hanoi, I think it's very local. Like Hanoi is the capital of Vietnam and, and you know, as any big cities, you have a lot of visitors and tourists. But because I live in the, more like the outskirts of the city, so I didn't really meet a lot of foreigners. And my everyday life is just very, very routine. It was very quiet and peaceful. Um, but at the same time, you know, I observe how my parents are always trying to make something more for their life, for their lives. You know, they always try to, you know, work on a business venture, trying to, you know, train some staff to be better employees, thinking about a new product to launch to the market. They, they were small business owners, but they are always hustling. And so I, I think I, I got a lot of that uh, work ethic from them and also the inspiration that I pick up from observing the way that they, um, they, they create a life that they 
want us to have, their children to have. So, men, your parents were entrepreneurs. Um, what were they into? What were they? What were their businesses? Many, many different businesses because they they were not um, like they, they were not managing their businesses in a very professional way. I would say they were basically just you know trying to earn money from the different small business ideas that they may have. So let's say my mom would at some point you know trying to make wine, uh, rice wine to sell to the neighborhood. Or she would um, have, you know, a small business buying and selling scrap metals. So things like that. So nothing big, but um, they're always trying something new and different. And whatever the market have the demand for, they would try to come up with the solution for that. So I think the solution-oriented mindset is something that I inherit from, from, from my parents. So Min, I, um, I'm curious to find out uh, when you were younger, you said that I guess your exposure was a bit limited. I guess in the in the in the outskirts of the city where you said you you grew up. I guess your exposure to I guess the Western world was not so much, but it eventually prompted you to to seek education abroad. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to find out, Min, what was the reason for you going abroad and 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 um, going to Sydney in particular for for further studies? Uh, what was the impetus behind that? So you are exactly right. I, I was not getting a lot of exposure uh, growing up. And that's the reason why I focused so much of my time and effort into studying. So I was, you know, always studying and trying to be a good student because I see how hard my parents work. So I also, you know, sort of pick up that and I tried to work hard as well. But, you know, my work was studying. So I studied very, very hard and I got into the best schools in Hanoi for my secondary school. And then Hanoi Amsterdam, which is like the best, I think, you know, personally, I think it's the best high school in Hanoi. And so, you know, like I got into this new environment where a lot of smart, um, enthusiastic and very dedicated uh, students are my friends. And they are all they are always talking about some things like, you know, moving to America or the UK to study. And so that sort of sparks in me this curiosity about the outside world a lot more when I got into high school. And so, you know, I started to look into different options and I wanted to go to uh, America for my, uh, for my bachelor's degree, but my parents uh, really couldn't afford it at that time. So I was looking at different sort of uh, scholarship programs. And this amazing scholarship program came to my attention from uh, Australian government, it's called OZE. So they basically would sponsor um, me to go to universities in, um, in, in Australia for, for free. And I also got a stipend every month um, to cover my living expenses. So it was a dream come true. And I tried to apply for it and I got in. So, you know, um, I, think, I think I didn't really debate much about it because that was such a good opportunity for someone like me at that time. Uh, I just went and, you know, luckily I got into a very good school as well, uh, Sydney University, one of the top schools in the world. And yeah, so it opened so many doors for me from that point on. And talk to us about the culture shock that must have greeted you coming from Hanoi, um, not, not being abroad and then all of a sudden being thrust to a new world. Um, I would assume, although I don't, I, I, I don't think I can assume this, but I would assume maybe you were the only Vietnamese uh, in, uh, in Sydney University that time. Uh, in, in, my, uh, in my faculty, yes. Yeah, in the department that I went to, I was the only Vietnamese person. 
Uh, yeah, culture shock. Oh my God. That was the first time that I went abroad ever. Um, I didn't even go to like Thailand or any other neighbor countries uh, prior to that. So it was such a different world, you know, it's so modern, everything's so flashy and nice and smell good, <laughs> you know, people are beautiful. Um, and I, 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 you know, at, the, at that time, I, I, I didn't really have a lot of thoughts about myself more, but I, but I sort of, you know, like got immersed myself in the outside world a lot more. Um, so I got very excited. Uh, but I will tell you some funny stories. Um, I went to the supermarket and then I started to look around. I saw so many beautiful, nice looking fruit. And then my friend who went along with me, who was like, you know, he, he, he went to Sydney a few years before I did. So he was another Vietnamese fellow who sort of, you know, a senior of mine. Uh, and then he told me, oh, you know, it's so modern here. If you just eat all the fruit and, you know, it's fine, just eat them. And then when you go out of the door, they will scan your belly and they will know exactly how much to charge you. <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> obviously, obviously, that was not true. It was back in 2013. So I don't think that technology is available then or not even now. Okay, so, so you went to Sydney University in 2006. Yeah. And it was, it was a new experience for you. Everything is very different from what you're used to in Hanoi. Um, Were there things that you learned when you were a student there that you feel was very important in shaping who you are as an entrepreneur right now? Um, I think it's about developing this mindset of being able to think critically about everything. Because as 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 a student from Vietnam, when, when I went to the um, you, you know, like my high school or even the years before that, it was always like this one-way sort of, you know, education, right? Like you are supposed to listen to what the teachers say and then you are supposed to sort of think of that as the ultimate truth. So we got trained in that system for so many years, basically 12 years of my, of my study. Um, and I got this habit of just trying to listen to what people say and assume that is the, the truth. But when I went to Sydney University, the teaching method is different. The mentality, the mindset is very different. They encourage um, critical thinking. So for the first time, I, I, I knew, oh, it was actually okay to think differently, to be, you know, entertaining weird thoughts and, you know, different ideas and testing different kinds of options uh, that are not presented to you. So that was very exciting for me because, you know, uh, I think deep down inside, I have this tendency to want to be creative about things because I get bored easily with a lot of things. Um, So when I got that experience, when I got that sort of opportunity to be able to think creatively, uh, I embraced it. And until now, I try to live my life that way. And when I work on a business venture or when I do something, when I started to feel bored, um, it's a signal that I need to find a more creative solution to solve things. And so that's the only way to keep myself entertained and to keep my work interesting. And so far, I think this has been working out for me. And I read from an interview that you've done in the past that you as an entrepreneur are trying to change the, I guess, the mindset of Vietnamese when it comes to business. Uh, You said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Vietnamese think of business a certain way. And Mm -hmm. I I think you you kind of got into that. Maybe you could tell me how how do Vietnamese approach business and what is it that you want to be able to 
put on the table with the way you think and the way you approach business? Yeah, so a lot of times when people think about businessmen in Vietnam or when we think about business in general, there's this general idea that business are greedy. Um, there could be a sense of business being like, it's, it's, it's viewed in a negative sense almost. It's not always very positive. And so what I'm trying to do myself and also trying to sort of convince the public is that business when done right, it has many profound impact and it could generate a lot of impact that are beyond just the initial transactions that that, that business is supposed to do. So I come up with this term amplifying impact. Basically, you know, whatever the, the, whatever we do, uh, we try to provide customers with product and service that are satisfying, but also would change them in a way that would allow them to go on to be different people and continue to generate that positive impact in whatever they do. So for example, um, with my Crimson Business Institute, for example, like I, I licensed the content from Harvard and then I used the case, the case method to teach um, business and, and leadership. And what I have been seeing is that, you know, my students, when they came to us and went through the program, they became better leaders. And so the transaction, it stops after they finish um, the program, but it doesn't stop there, right? Like they went on to become better leaders. They become more empathetic. They become more loving. They have more kindness to their team and all that. So that energy continued to live on and they will continue to educate more leaders. And so those are the impacts that I think any business could strive to have, uh, not just with an education business, uh, but to be conscious about what we do and figure out a way to optimize uh, that impact. Uh, so that is what I'm trying to practice myself and also to uh, disseminate the ideas um, into society. I'm sure, Mwen, that your education business benefited a lot from the insight that you yourself had as an entrepreneur. So I'd like to now get into your first foray into business, having, having come back from uh, Sydney University. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like putting up your first, I guess, startup business with a donut company? Uh, mm -hmm. What was that like for you? So before that, I actually spent two years um, working in Singapore as a commodity trader. So like I told you, you know, I'm a very creative person and I like to solve problems constantly. So after two years working in Singapore, I, I started to feel very, very tired every day when I go to work because I don't have that opportunity to solve problems creatively as much as I would want to have. So that's, not, that's why I decided to, to quit the job immediately, even before I knew exactly what to do. Um, so I just decided to quit because I felt like, you know, life is too short to be dragging myself into something that I'm not super interested in. Um, and then I was walking around the shopping malls in Singapore and then I saw, you know, Jayco Donuts. <laughs> At that time, it was so popular in Singapore. People were queuing up for it and I, I got in the queue and then I buy some donuts. And then I was like, whoa, you know, these donuts are good, you know, amazing taste. And it makes me happy. It's just simple as that. It makes me happy. And so I, I was like, you know, I want to bring this joy, this happiness. To it's probably from all the sugar, man. <laughs> You're right. Now I know that. Now I know that. Back then I didn't know. Back then I didn't know. I was That's a secret. That's a secret right there. It's a sugar high. 
<laughs> I know. I, I completely agree. Uh, but back then, I didn't know. Um, I, I just felt so joyous after eating a donut. And so I wanted to bring that to Vietnam. And I, I also, I think, I saw, that, I saw that as an opportunity to foray into business, something simple enough, something that I can, can wrap my mind around because I haven't ever started anything before. So as you can imagine, it was quite scary. So to be able to sort of cling on to something that I understand that I can wrap my hands around and I can try to be better and better at, it was a perfect um, start for me. And so I get a job to work in the kitchen in that um, donut shop. You know, I apply for a job and they get me a part-time job and I went in, you know, learning to be a baker because I didn't know how to make donuts, you know. And I, I you know, that, that was something very new even in Vietnam, like nobody knows what donuts mean. So I, the only option for me is to learn to do it myself. So I went in and I learned the, 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 the tricks of the making donuts. And then I went back to Vietnam and I invested all my savings into the first store. And I, I, I just keep pushing myself to learn more and more about the business and try to be better and better. Uh, and after three years, we got to six stores uh, across the country. Uh, so it was quite a success because people were so excited about something that was so different. You know, the way that I designed the store is very different. The way that I put up the colors and all, all, the, all the things that I can observe from the retail shops in Singapore, I try to incorporate that in the, in the first store in Vietnam. And I think that love and dedication was um, showing something to the customers and they can sense it. And that's why I got a lot of support from them. Yeah. Um, you apparently sold um, the, the donut stores. What was the reason behind you selling the business? Um, so basically, when I reached to stick locations, um, I started to struggle with the road ahead. I didn't know how to continue on because I was not a great manager, I would say, because I tried to do everything by myself. I spread myself too thin. I don't trust people. I don't build on people. Um, I didn't know how to. Um, and so I got stuck even though the business at that point was still making some decent amount of money, but I didn't know how I could go on to be more than I was at that point. So I just sold the stores to different buyers, right? I didn't, I didn't even know that I can package the business and sell the business. Uh, that idea didn't even come to my mind. Um, that was not something that we would do a lot, often, uh, back then. So I just sold the individual stores to individual buyers. And, and then I applied for my MBA, you know, because for me, I, I education is something that I knew that I want to pursue for the whole life, for, the, for, for, my, whole, for, for my whole life, because I realized the, 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 the magic of it. I realized the impact, the profound impact that education could have on me as a person. Um, so I knew that I want to continue on to, 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 to educate myself with something that can expand my horizons and to, to allow me to be more than I am. I also wanted to get into um, your regret that you were able to sell your business, but really sell it piecemeal, right? You were able to sell individual stores, but not the brand. Let's talk about that, Min, because um, you know any good marketer or uh, business person um, would try to get, I guess, the most out of um, an exit. 
right? In your case, you were not able to realize this. What was the biggest regret for you uh, not being able to maybe sell right. the brand as a brand, yeah. as an amalgamation of, I guess, all of the stores and just yeah. selling it uh, piece by piece? What was the biggest regret for you? I don't think that I regret a lot about that choice because I didn't really... Well, I mean, at that time, I didn't know that I could do that. And also, I don't know if it's very possible as, as well, because it was not the norm for the market to do so. Um, so I didn't even try to do that, right? So how could I know that it would work? What if I package it and then I couldn't really, really sell? It's just, I'm going to waste my time. So, and time is very limited, right? And so when the, the moment when I decided that I want to go on with my study and not running the six stores anymore i completely just sort of like got into studying gmat for my mba and just started to find buyers and whoever can buy the stores i will sell to them um, as long as the price is is, is okay um, so i didn't waste a lot of time with that and i think that was crucial for me to be able to move on to the next stage of my life if i linger around and sort of you know try to package it and sort of put a brand and like, you know, going around looking for, for some other companies to buy it. It might take me a long time and it could lead me somewhere else. I don't know. Um, so for me, when I, when I see a part that I knew completely that I want to go on, on that direction, I try to make that move very, very quickly. Yeah. Right. No so, regrets. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets whatsoever. I think you, you were, <laughs> right. Uh, cut and dry, you know, get on with your life. In this case, um, getting your MBA from Harvard, what was that like? Uh, not everyone um, has done so. And uh, I know that it's very, very difficult to get into Harvard to begin with. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was life-changing because, you know, I, I, I had this dream of going to Harvard ever since I was uh, in high school. Because for some reason, you know, when, when I went to high school, like I mentioned to you, I, I started here people talking about all the good schools around the world. And that was something very new for me. And so my immediate question was like, was, okay, so what is the best school? <laughs> what is the best school? Like you guys can go to like good school, but like, well, which one is the best? And then everyone is like, oh, Harvard, but it's hard to get in. And obviously I couldn't get into Harvard unless in, in, in high school. But I think that idea came, got stuck in my head, right? Like that is the ultimate goal. That is like where I want to go. <laughs> um, so even after I finished my undergrad, I did apply for Harvard. Uh, but obviously, I was not ready because the MBA program requires you to have more experience. And also, um, I think I don't have enough to show for. So I didn't get in. But I mean, I tried, right? Like, you know, I knew the process. So I think even putting that intention out there is something that helps me to get there. Because I knew, let's say, you know, after running the donut shops for a while and then I knew I want to go for my MBA program. Harvard is the, the name that I sort of, you know, put it out there. And so to get in there, you got to work really hard for it, right? I have to study for GMAT so intensely. Um, I have to prepare my, my application very, very carefully. So back to my point earlier, right? Like if I were to waste my time with trying to sell that venture for, let's say, another hundred or another $200,000, Maybe I could get it, but like I might miss the chance of going to Harvard. Um, maybe because I didn't work hard enough or, you know, I, I, I couldn't get in and I realized that, you know, maybe I was not good enough for Harvard. But that was not the case. And, you know, that 
take me to Harvard. And I think for me, that was the right track. Um, and yeah, so the question is about my experience there. Um, it basically opens up for me a new sky. I, I realized that now I'm in a different opportunity zone because there's so many great minds also went here and they went on to do so many amazing things for the world. And so I have that same opportunity. Like if they can do it and they also went to Harvard, I went to Harvard too, I can do that too. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I started to sort of push my limits um, a lot more. Um, and obviously, you know, all the, 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 the studying or the networking or the exposure, it, um, it helps me to change and shape my mindset and for me to believe in myself um, and for me to want to do something that could push myself in the ways that um, I haven't been in before. I guess studying in Harvard literally gave you a boost uh, in terms of your confidence. I, 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 can, I can see how it affected you uh, deeply as an entrepreneur, but is there anything that you'd like to maybe share with us? Was there a specific realization or learning that up till now sticks to your mind and maybe you, you, you carry to this day as you go about your, your daily affairs? Is there something that, that um, I guess, sort of serves as a mantra for you that you learned from Harvard? Um, I think it was not just one experience, it's, but it's about the whole case study method that Harvard embraced so, so intensely basically like every class is a case study right it's not we never got to sit down listen to any sort of like um any lecture. lectures or any right. yeah theories right like all that we got to study by ourselves but then when you got to class it's all just case so it pushes everyone to make decisions when information is not enough when time is not enough and constraints are there you still got to make decisions when the time calls for it. And, and so I think that tendency, that habit, we, we got trained in that direction, so we got that instilled in our, in, in our minds. And I think it becomes something that is almost like a second nature. So the idea is to make decisions, given all the information that you can have, and then reflect on that. Right? So reflection is also very important, like to know that there's always something going to be there for you to learn from uh, about yourself, about the situation, about other people, about how things unfold. And to reflect on that will help you to be a better leader. So next time you can make better decisions, next time you have conviction in selecting something to do or selecting a route to go whenever you're faced with options. You sold your business successfully. You yeah. exited. You exited that business. Use yeah. the funds to be able to now set yourself up for the next phase of your entrepreneurial journey. So, talk us through what happened when you came back to Vietnam. Now armed with this newfound confidence and, and all the learnings that you got from Harvard. So I sold my donors business and have some money. Um, still after finishing my MBA. So I used that fund to, to start the next venture, which is the cinema um, chain. Uh, it was not a lot. I mean, all I got was about $250,000 from the, the first venture that I saw another spending a little bit at Harvard. 
And so I was trying to figure out, okay, so, so now I know that I can be a lifelong learner of management and I can continue to push myself to be a better and better manager. But I also need to figure out something that I want to do sort of like for the long, long term, right? Um, so the donuts idea was great and that was like fun and interesting for a while. But to be honest, like after three years, it was a trendy product. And it, it's not going to last for the long, long this time, right? Like it's going to come and go. So I was trying to figure out, okay, which one would be something that I can spend at least five, 10 years of my life in and would benefit me to go on as a leader in the long-term journey. What is something that I'm super excited about that allow me to be creative, but also has to be profitable or you know, at least like a good business to go in? I did debate whether I should go into like a tech startup right away after Harvard, but after thinking and careful consideration, I didn't go in that direction because I didn't see like my advantage coming into that right away, right? So, so that's why I, I look at different options and, and it, you know, accidentally the, the news about CJ buying our Megastar came to my attention. So Megastar at that point in Vietnam, they had seven locations and Megastar sold themselves to CJ, which is the Korean um, group. And they bought out the business for the valuation of almost $100 million for only seven locations. Uh, that would cost about like maybe $10 million max to set up. So for me, that was like, whoa, you know, why would they pay so much for it? So I went deeper into it and I did my research and I was like, okay, the cinema market in Vietnam is very, very nascent, very early. And it's a good business, good margins. And the execution is not that different from the way that I did my donut store, right? It's just a little bit bigger and a bit more complex, but I can understand the process. I know how to get from zero to one to be able to set up something like that. So, and I was also very passionate about the media industry, right? Like I'm a creative person. I write songs. I like music. Uh, I sing. I also did some acting as well. So I mean, it was a perfect opportunity for me to do. And so I went ahead with that. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Health Philippines. Did you know that massages are considered one of the best ways to recover from exercise and is considered an indispensable part of any fitness training and recovery regimen. Getting a regular massage not only detoxifies your muscles from lactic acid buildup, but also increases muscle performance, blood flow, reduces pain, and induces better sleep. If you don't have access to a masseuse, the next best thing is a massage chair or a massage gun. Perfect Health has a complete lineup of massage chairs with a whole range of features and price points. Their top-of-the-line model, Perfection 2, has all the bells and whistles. From 3D full body and foot massage functions, voice command, Bluetooth, and zero gravity. Their perfect relaxer massage gun is a personal favorite of mine, which I use on my quads every time I come from a long bike ride. Methods to Greatness in partnership with Perfect Health Philippines has come up with a special discount promo that is exclusive to our followers and subscribers. To avail of the special promo discount, get in touch with Perfect Health's professional healthcare consultants at perfecthealthphcustomerservice at gmail.com or via hotline 02-8831-6944 and give the promo code MTG. 
That's the Methods to Greatness promo code MTG. And the healthcare consultants will hook you up with the best premium massage chairs, massage guns, and other healthcare products, all with a special discount. So what was that like this time, um, having a business that plays up to your passions as an artist? Um, it was a lot more fun, to be honest, right? Like when I started the donut stores, I, I had a lot of fun as well. You know, I tried to have as much fun as I could with that. Even like naming the donuts the way that I like and you know, designing the donuts, that was the most fun part for me. Um, and then we went to set up the cinema uh, chain and I get to do that again, right? Like designing the logo, designing the look and feel, the experience of people. And for me, I think now I realize, you know, actually creating a business is actually design work, right? Like it's not about just designing the physical elements, but also designing their team. Like what kind of people you want in the team, how they're going to mix together, you know, how they're going to grow in the future. So for me now, I think about business, especially the, the, the first, um, the, the beginning phase is designing. Anyway, back to the point, how much fun I have with my cinema business. It was fun, but it was also very tough, right? Um, because we had to compete with a lot of the big players in the market. Um, we were very small. We don't have a lot of money. I only have like $250,000 and it takes at least, you know, usually it takes about a million to set up a cinema. So we had to go to like a smaller province and also I had to select, no, not, not that I had to select a, 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 an affordable strategy, but because that strategy makes sense and it fits perfectly with my budget. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, if I had more money, maybe I didn't even think about that. But because I don't have a lot of money, uh, the strategy makes sense. And also because I understand how the income of Vietnamese people are not super high. Right? Not everyone can afford a very expensive uh, movie ticket. And I think that is thanks to me being growing up in, in the outskirts of Hanoi. I didn't grow up in the, in the middle of the city, so I was not like exposing myself with you know, people who spend a lot of money. I, I was hanging out with people who are conscious about spending. I was hanging out with people who, who are struggling with their daily needs even. So that understanding is still with me. Right, even even though I, I move on in life and I I I I can afford more, but I understand the struggles. How it is so difficult to even think about going out for one night and having to sort of think about the consequence that it could have on your spending the days after. Um, so 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 all that combined. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I I ramble a little bit, but basically. Um, it was difficult, uh, but a lot of fun. <laughs> right. So this was uh, called Beta Cinema, correct? Yes. Yes. So eventually, you um, you also put up Beta Corp, which I, I assume is a holding company for a lot more businesses that you're now into. So um, talk to us about the transition from having a cinema to now expanding uh, your businesses to, I guess, other industries. Yeah. So we, we, we started um, one location at Beta Cinemas and then we got funded by uh, some international funds, three of them actually, VIG, Blue HK, and then Daiwa. 
And so Daiwa is the last fund that came into Vera Media, the, the cinema company. And, and then COVID hits. You know, so that was like, I, I still think that we were super lucky that we, we, we got to work with such a wonderful partner, Daiwa, because they were still going ahead with the investment, even though they could say no at that time, right? When, when the news of COVID broke down, they could say no and they could walk away, um, but they didn't. And they went ahead and they invested in the business. And I think that helps us to be able to sustain our venture back to now. And, and now COVID is over, like everything is back on track. But, you know, even before, even when I just got back to Vietnam, when I first started Veda Cinemas, I always try to maximize my impact with everything that I do. So after five years of running Veda Cinemas, I started to feel like I didn't really have an opportunity to, to have as much impact as I could for the business itself. Because, you know, when you got to like 14 locations and opening another location is just another problem that is the same. Uh, that I already trained my team to do very well. I have a CEO who has been with me since day one, and he's basically a better operator than I am, to be very honest. Uh, he's very dedicated with the venture. He's, he loves the cinema business, and he's detail-oriented. Um, I think for me, I add a lot more value when creativity is needed when very complex problems are at hand and, and we need to find solutions that are not presented yet. That is when I shy the most. And so that's why I have been looking for other opportunities to, to do so. Um, and technology is something that I have always been thinking that I need to embrace because that will allow me to, to optimize my impact. And during my time at Beta Cinemas, I also get to understand my core customer segment very well. Those are young people who are mostly migrants from smaller provinces to big cities. And a lot of them struggle with the living conditions uh, because they are all renting and the rental market in Vietnam is so fragmented and so unorganized and so poorly managed. So, you know, the idea for A plus came, came about when I think about the skills that I already have at Beta Cinemas, combined with technology, similar demographics. Okay, what can I do for them? So, so the idea for A plus actually came from just that one thought of like, what can I do for, for my, my customers, for the people that I come to interact with and understand the pains. And so the living condition is something that they struggle with, and that is like one of the most like fundamental problems that anyone could have, right? Where you live, your place. And so I try to solve that, and that's why I came up with A plus. Um, so Beta Group right now we have three ventures: Beta Cinemas, A plus, and then Crimson. I would spend most of my time on A plus because that is the venture that I have more opportunities to to solve creative problems, to, to make something out in air. Um, the other ventures, Beta Cinema, I am sort of building up my COO to take over the, the position to manage the regular business. And then for the, for the business institute, I also view the team who could run by themselves. So I don't have to like manage day to day. So that is you know, where we are right now at the moment, Beta Group.
So it's interesting how the group itself is sort of like a hybrid between like a corporate structure and like a venture um, arm, I guess that, that, that if that's an accurate description of what you're doing, it's like um, with you saying that you're, you're trying to build up your COO, it's like um, you're replicating yourself. You start it first with a creative, I guess, idea and you pretty much have someone else take over and take control. What, what is, what is the, um, I guess, the, the main decision-making process by which you choose what particular industry to get into now that you've pretty much, um, I can see the, the variety and really, uh, if you come to look at it, 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 you know, from, from uh, donuts to cinemas, and now you're in, you're in uh, service departments and you're in education as well. Yeah. One look at it and it seems like you're, you're um, I guess the, the possibilities are endless for you in terms of what industries, but is there a, a sort of conscious, I guess, direction that you're going at, or is it more opportunistic in the sense of you maybe finding something and, 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 and right, right, right then and there trying to come up with a solution? I think I would come back to the point of myself trying to maximize the positive impact in whatever that we do. Um, so for the idea of beta cinemas, for example, we, we understand the, the, the impact that we can generate. Um, it's not just about providing movie experience to people who didn't have access to it before. It's more than that. It's about giving them the sense that their life is now better, that they can go to enjoy something luxury, something that before only people of certain class could, could enjoy. So we sense that impact and I want to replicate that feeling of being able to do something with amplified impact for other people. So like I mentioned to you, um, A plus, we understand how like, if a person feel good about themselves, if a person feel good about the place that they live, they would go on to be confident and be able to to be a confident member of society and be able to, to, to expect to, to grow into their full potential. So in our location of A+, for example, even though the, the, the price is very affordable, we make sure that they have clean water. We make sure that the environment is clean and nice. We make sure that their neighbors are safe and decent people. And we also want to provide them with educational services. So I would say in selecting businesses, it's not so much about us trying to figure out which opportunities are there, but it's more about within my horizon, within what I can see and what I can do, which one is the most profound impact that I can generate for those people. So it comes from a place of care. It comes from a place of love. And I realized that that is the only reason that would keep me stick with anything. Um, after, um, after Beta Cinemas, actually, I did start a chain of uh, F&B stores, and that, uh, that fails. The only reason is that I didn't connect with that business at a deep level. Uh, like you said, that was very opportunistic. Um, you know, I saw that, you know, a food item was trendy. I remember that I did, you know, a chain of donuts before. This is something that I can do again. But I didn't connect with that. I didn't connect with that at a, at a, at a, at a hard level. So that's why I, I don't think I dedicated myself uh, to it enough. And that's why it didn't work out. 
But for A plus, for example, you know, the, the logical reasoning is that the skills that I already have from beta cinema can easily translate into A plus because it also like construction and they're working with real estate partners, developing projects. Um, and then the new problem that I have to solve is the technology part, but I already have this foundation so I can work with very strong, smart, capable people to help me on the technology side. But what connects at the heart level is that I care about my customers and I want to provide them with a better living solution. And I can see the impact that a decent living space have on a person. And so that fire is going to keep me going for the long term and push me through any hardships that I plus could face. Man, I would like to find out if there is a particular process that you undergo in terms of deciding whether or not to enter a particular space. Um, with the ventures that you've launched in the past, is, would you say that you now have, I guess, a method by which you decide, okay, we will enter this space, we, will, we, we know our market, and uh, this is the next business that we're going to be launching? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say there's so much as a process, it's more like a checklist now for me. And that checklist could be, do we have the skill to execute, execute this well, or at least like, you know, best in class in Vietnam. Um, second is like, do I deeply care about the customers that I'm serving and the value that I can bring for them? Um, the three now, I care about scale. So the question is like, can I scale this venture massively? What would be the hinders, uh, the, the hindering factors that stop me from scaling quickly? So as long as I can have those three, then I would go in. And that is the case for A+. Uh, but it also, I think it's also very important to focus, right? I don't think I would add on like any other ventures, any other big ventures right now because I want to focus my time on A+. Better cinemas already have someone that I trust and work with for so many years to take over. Crimson is, is, is like, you know, for me, Crimson is like this mini baby that I want to sort of make sure that I do very well and have the team to manage it by themselves. Um, but it's not going to be something that I try to scale too massively too fast. Because it, for education, quality is very important. And I want to make sure that whatever we teach is good. Um, so you can think of Crimson almost like a like an education arm where we keep educating even ourselves to be better leaders. You know, I use Crimson in the methodology and the learning and the materials and the knowledge to even train myself again to make sure that I'm not forgetting things, uh, to make sure that I'm still approaching the most modern thinking. Um, and then I do that for my team. So you can see that Crimson is not like a venture that I set aside below, like alongside A plus to, to have like two horses running at the same time is not the case. Um, it's something that could benefit the whole ecosystem. It benefit the branding. But my focus is going to be with A plus because for me, A plus could be something massive. And the importance of focus is important. Um, I don't want to set up a group as something as like to having too many companies and like, and then I cannot get my hands um, touching all the elements of the business. Uh, I'm not at that point yet. You know, maybe in 10 years, uh, I could think about that structure. 
but right now I still very much like to work on my babies. <laughs> and and these babies definitely um, are are doing quite well. Um, I know that uh, especially at the beginning, these babies tend to want attention constantly, and looks like you've cracked the code of now uh, having someone to reliably run uh, these respective. Uh, uh, areas that you find yourself uh, very interested in as, uh, I guess, a source of creative output for you. I think it's, 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 it's something that um, really stems from your interests and also your deep desire to serve. So, Min, uh, is there anything that you would like to, um, I guess, for young entrepreneurs out there who are looking to start a business, is there anything that you feel through the various ventures that you put up, you can confidently say you should think about first before you put up your own business. Is there anything that you would like to, I guess, share with us? I think the only thing that I uh, want to repeat, I already mentioned, um, is that you have to ask yourself, do you connect with that um, business ideas or the customers at the heart level? Right? Like, do you love the solution that you're trying to provide for them? Do you care deeply about the impact that the product or the service that you're trying to do um, could benefit your customers? Because if you're only chasing money or opportunistic ideas, like benefits, um, it's not gonna last because it's very tough. So the only power that can sustain you through is the deep, deep love that you have for that idea for that um, customer segment or the, for the particular solution that you came up with. Uh, so that's the only thing I wanted to leave after the conversation today. Thank you. That's great, man. So I will now get into my um, 10 questions that I ask all of my guests here on Methods to Greatness. So the first question being, um, in particular, what makes you Asian? You know, you were an Asian who was in... Uh, Sydney and then in the U.S. for your studies, what would you say makes you distinctly Asian, particularly what makes you Vietnamese? That is a, such a tough question. What makes me Vietnamese? What makes me Asian? Um, I think family values. I connect with my families in the ways that beyond reasonings. Um, and I think that is something very Vietnamese and also something very Asian. We, we care for our family members in, in ways that are hard to explain. Um, there are things that we are willing to do for our family members that doesn't make sense <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, but then we also fight and we have like, you know, like right. arguments uh, that are also difficult to explain. <laughs> I don't know how it is like in, in, in Vietnam, but in the Philippines, you know, our elders, our, our parents, uh, we never, we never send them like to, to, to a home. They always stay with us uh, until they're, you know, um, uh, yeah. they're old and gray and uh, can't do much anymore. Is it, is it similar in Vietnam as well? It's the same here, um, but that could change, you know, like some people start to think about building or investing in the, uh, elderly homes uh, to, to, to take care of um, older people. Um, I don't know how that is going to unfold, but um, right now it's still very much the case that we want our parents to grow old with us. And for me, I also want that. 
So I assume you're not going to think up of a beta for the aged, right? <laughs> beta not, homes. Not, not, not in the short <laughs> frame, no. Okay, so uh, kidding aside, is there anything about Vietnam that you would like for people to know or discover? Uh, it could be like uh, food or a place in Vietnam that, or in Hanoi in particular, that you would like people to see or discover? Um, a lot of people know about Ning Bing. Uh, sorry, a lot of people know about Ha Long Bay. Um, it's very popular, but um, I would want people to try to go to Ning Bing. Uh, similar scenery, but uh, a bit different and more secluded. Uh, I think that's very beautiful. Um, so Ning Bing is a is a is an area in the in the northern Vietnam. So that is something that I want to introduce people. And maybe you could describe to us what what we'll find in Ning Bing. Um, it's um, it's hard to explain. This this particular landscape complex very scenery, like very scenic. Um, and then you can go on the boat, and then they will take you out, and then you can go on like a, a cave, and then you get out of the cave, and then you see wonderful sky and and, and green lake. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So just for uh, the benefit of our audience, how do you spell uh, Ning Bing again? Oh yes, uh, the name is Chang An Ning Bing. So T-R-A-N-G space A-N and the province is Ningbing, N-I-N-B-B-I-N-B. So thank you. We'll put that in the show notes. (laughs) Methods to Greatness in partnership with Perfect Health Philippines will be giving away premium healthcare products to our loyal listeners and subscribers. There will be weekly winners of Perfect Relaxer Massage Guns worth 9,900 pesos. And at the end of 12 weeks, we will give one lucky subscriber a chance to take home a fully loaded Perfect Health Trinity Massage Chair worth 200,000 pesos. All you have to do is subscribe to the Methods to Greatness podcast and follow us on our social media accounts on Facebook and LinkedIn and share the post link in the show notes of this episode on your feed. And if you know someone who you feel would benefit from our conversations and content on the show, tag them for more chances to win our prizes. We always want you, our listeners, to aspire to improve yourselves in every aspect of your lives so you can be the best you can possibly be. Check out the Methods to Greatest social media channels for more details. So my next question is, um, who to you is a modern-day superhero? Do you, um, do you have any that you look up to right now? And if you have uh, you know, a modern-day hero or superhero, what special power does this hero Possess. Uh, so my superhero is my mom, actually, because she's the most positive person that I ever come across, and she's she can always see the the great the good in people, and she she always see the good in any situations. So that is something for me is very powerful because with that I, I think life just can be better. The the most positive positive mindset uh, given any situations. I think that is super powerful. That's great. So, man, I know that you have given a commencement speech in the past. That's one of my questions that I, that I ask my, my listeners and viewers. Um, would you mind, um, I guess, repeating for us the main message of a commencement speech that you've done and, and maybe give us a little bit of a background um, where you've done uh, this commencement speech? Um, oh, okay. Um, so I, I, I gave a commitment speech for IMIT students 
in Ho Chi Minh City, I think a year ago. Um, and the main idea, I actually use the words RMIT to sort of uh, summarize the ideas. Um, I think the main message would be life doesn't matter that much. <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy, but, um, but that is something that I realized after COVID. I actually got COVID for, for a few days and I got a fever so high that I thought I was going to die. And in those moments, I, I, I was ready to die. But after I recover from it, I have this new sense of freedom that life doesn't matter that much, but the time that we have on earth is limited. So why don't we just enjoy and to do anything we want and to live it fully, to live it to, to our full potential and not be afraid of anything that usually hold us, hold us back. It's usually not the way that we think it might turn out to be. So, you know, go on and live life with boldness, with bravery, with courage, and with kindness, because life doesn't matter that much. <laughs> right. With kindness. I, I love the kindness part. Yeah. I think definitely the, the, the world should have um, kinder people, <laughs> yeah. especially now. I think we've been through a lot. Yeah. And I guess there's nothing better than, I guess there's nothing that comes close to a brush with death to put things in perspective. So yeah, that, that's, that's a very beautiful message. Um, given all you're doing now, Min, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Uh, I'd like to find out, is there, is there some big dream out there that you, have, you haven't um, quite um, accomplished? Or is there something that you would like to pursue that, that keeps you up at night, just, just you know, keeps you thinking? Um, or, or something that maybe gets you up in the morning. It's funny because you asked me what, keep me what keeps me up at night. So recently I have been doing a lot of meditation and okay. for some reason that makes it hard for me to sleep. Um, so the meditation yeah, I, makes it hard for you to sleep. Yes. I don't know why, um, but that is what I'm going through right now. I meditate a lot and I get very calm and very relaxed in, in, in the whole day. So what I'm, what I'm thinking to myself is perhaps um, before, before I did any meditation, I got stressed out easily. So end of the day, I got very tired. So that's why I can go to sleep because of all the tiredness and all the tensions. But now I have less of that. So even end of the day, I still very, I'm still very calm and relaxed. And it's hard for me to go to sleep. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's exactly what I'm going through right now. But, um, but that is something interesting too, because that means there's so much that I don't understand about my own sort of inner world. So that is something that I want to explore further and further. Right. That, that's, that's excellent insight. <laughs> um, so essentially what you're saying is because you're so tired from all of the millions of things that you do throughout the day, you're, you're too tired to, to think essentially um, when you get to bed, but now maybe you find um, a little bit more energy because you're so relaxed throughout the day. There's not so much tension and that's actually what's keeping you up at <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's funny, but it's true. What I'm going through right now. <laughs> well, we, we go through our, our, our own respective bouts of, I, I, I myself um, have found lately that um, I, I, pretty much have an easy time um, falling asleep 
it's waking up at ungodly ungodly hours that is what's killing me right now it's um you know i could easily fall asleep but once i wake up at maybe three four in the morning that's it my mind is racing and um that that's something that like you i'm, I'm trying to grapple with and trying to but it's an opportunity improve. right it's an opportunity for us to to learn about our own inner self and our own psyche true true agree and uh the mystery of the human mind is um i guess one of the biggest i guess at least for me challenges that i need to grapple with um as you know as a fellow entrepreneur um trying to just uh also wrap my head around literally and 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 on how to control it but uh now to my next question you know as a high impact entrepreneur that you are now how do you prepare for your day like how do you start your morning um and is there a particular way or method that you are able to focus on the things that you need to do for a particular day um, that you'd like to maybe share with us? So the, the, the thing that I find the most helpful now is actually starting my day with some meditation because I found that as I do that, I can set up my mind to be at the most calm and positive start for the day. And then everything is just coming in a nice way after that. But if I start the day and I become angry or mad, usually the day would unfold in that direction as well. Um, so that is the most important thing. I know I should also like, you know, try to have a good and healthy breakfast. But right now, sometimes I couldn't afford the time to do so. Um, or because I wake up and then the meeting time is already there. So, yeah, so that is something that I still want to work on. Having time to meditate and then having a proper breakfast. I think that is going to help. Also, exercise um, in the morning. I, I slot my exercise time at the end of the day and I find it hard to keep it up. So I'm trying to move that in the morning. Uh, I think once I can do that, exercise, meditate, good breakfast, that's the perfect routine. That <laughs> sets you up for the rest of the day. Exactly. And... Uh, Man, is there anything that, or, or rather, what is the one thing you wish you could have known or learned sooner? That I can learn about the external world, but also can learn about my in, inner world at the same time. I only start to realize that like a few years recently. Um, it's not too late, but it's something that if I knew earlier, I, I don't know, I, I would want to know that earlier. <laughs> Okay, so man, I would like to know. Um, you know, you're very young. You're a you're a young, successful millennial serial entrepreneur. But um, eventually, we will all grow old and gray, and we will pass from this world. Um, I'd like to find out at this age or at the stage in your life, uh, if you were to pass, um, what would your epitaph say? Is there anything that you feel right now? I guess speaks to how you've lived your life and how you'd like to leave it when this life ends for you? Um, I want to be known as the man who impacts would live on. Right? So that is something that I my <laughs> in writing. Uh, yeah. Because I, I feel like we came into this life and we came, we didn't have a lot, right? We came into this life with this physical 
mask that we are. And then from that point on, you know, everything generated from that, and that is impact. Um, and so whatever, whatever I do right now is about maximizing the, the impact. And I hope that when I pass, that impact will live on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, man, for my final question, and this is a question that I ask all my guests yeah. and something that I hope I'm able to do as well. Is there anything specific that you would recommend that I try? Maybe something that you do that you would like for people to try in their own lives, whether it's something in your business or your personal life, something that's worked out for you that maybe uh, yes. I could try myself. Perfect question, because that is something that I also care deeply about. Do you drink coffee? Okay, so that's a question that um, I kind of grapple with because. I did not used to drink coffee like when I was a student because for the very fact that um, I didn't want to get addicted to caffeine. And for a time, I read up and discovered that coffee was actually good for you in some ways. And so I tried it. Um, but then it came to a point where I had mornings where I was taking my coffee and I would have palpitations. So I, I, I stopped completely. And now I am a, I guess, what you call a tea convert. So I gave up on coffee. I would have coffee occasionally, but um, that's something that I chose to just maybe take yeah. on rare occasions. So Why do you ask, Min? That was the advice that I was going to give you, but you already embraced that. Because <laughs> I gave up coffee recently and it has been doing wonderful transformations for me. Really? Yeah. Okay, so what so what happened? Were you a, a coffee or um, caffeine uh, I, dependent? I, you know, for the past 10 years, I drink coffee maybe two to three times a day. Okay. And then during COVID time, I bought an espresso machine and I just keep making coffee with that. So I drink like three or four every day. And I got very anxious and, and almost like depressed. And I didn't know why, because I'm, I'm usually not experiencing those uh, issues. And so coffee is the only reason I could explain that. So I, I stopped drinking coffee. And then the days that I stopped drinking coffee, my head was, I had massive headaches. Right. And I had craving for it. And then, but then it, it, it eventually passed. And then I got into this new mental state of being so calm and tranquil and clear that I realized I had been addicted to coffee for the last 10 years without even knowing it without realizing the full impact that it has on my body and my sleep pattern and my psychology. Um, so to anyone who is drinking coffee heavily, I think, you know, one thing that they should try to experience is to give it up for a few months and see how they change. Uh, yeah. So it's not for you because you already did that. Uh, <laughs> it's for the audience. Wow. You know, I cannot count how many people I know are so dependent on coffee to the point that if they stop, it literally um, gives them the same, I guess, uh, symptoms as, you know, withdrawal symptoms as someone maybe who's addicted to, you know, some other, I guess, deadlier drugs <laughs> out there. And, you know, that's exactly why at the beginning um, I, I stayed away from it. Hmm. And um, it was really only until recently when, I, I, I came upon, you know, a research saying that it's good for you. It's actually good for you. It helps you metabolize um, your food. 
and um, has a lot of benefits um, with all of the antioxidants that the beans have. And, you know, I just thought to just give it another shot, but really my, my, my body, um, I guess, reacted uh, violently at a certain point because really I was not used to so much caffeine on a daily basis. And I'm just, and I'm just talking about having coffee once in the morning, right? It's not even like two or three cups a day, but my brother, for instance, has two, three, four cups and he's totally addicted to it. And that's what, you know, I, I, I wanted to not have. So yeah, I, I, um, I fully support (laughs) your, your move. And, and I think um, your advice is, is something that a lot more people should take seriously because, you know, you look at, a, you, you, you look at coffee and you say, it's not harmful for you. It's, it's actually um, yeah. the world's uh, most consumed uh, drug. drug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Min Bui, thank you very much for guesting on Methods to Greatness. It's been a pleasure having you here. And um, I look forward to learning more about the beautiful things, the great things that you will be doing um, in the years to come as um, an entrepreneur there in Vietnam. And um, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say to our audience who are listening to you? Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think everyone is having their own journey. So thanks for spending the time listening to my own journey. And I hope that you can get something um, interesting that you can try out for yourself um, and I wish you all the best of luck, health and inner peace Thank you very much Min Bui for guesting on Methods to Greatness Methods to Greatness is brought to you by Perfect Health Philippines a leading provider of innovative first class massage and healthcare products across Southeast Asia If you would like me to interview anyone on the face of the earth and want them on the podcast or if you want to collaborate with us for future content or sponsorship opportunities, or if you just have any recommendations on how we can get better, just send us an email at john at methodstogreatness.com. That's john at methodstogreatness.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.